Beer Like Scary Movies is produced on the stolen lands of the Wandry people of the Kulin Nation, where the University of Melbourne resides. We pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded. Welcome to the show. <laughs> the shark comes and kills a kid. Who would have guessed that shit? No, your fingers are going to prune. <laughs> Pop up like a go for like go. We're gonna need a bigger boat. Fish are friends, but humans are food. Hello there, and welcome to Do You Like Scary Movies on Radio Fodder, the show all about the cult, classic, and beloved spooky movies. I am your host, Lockie, and with me I have my co-host and scary movie connoisseur, John. Connoisseur might be might be putting it a bit strong. Um, I, I think I think avid fan is probably a bit more ac- accurate. Connoisseur implies taste, which I absolutely do not have. Well, it's a bit more experienced than me. I mean, this whole you know show is derived from you being the expert or one who has has had a bit more experience in movies, and then I am the the, the funny front guy who just screams at the movies. <laughs> <laughs> So, if you cannot tell, um, this is our debut episode where we talk all about scary movies. It's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. What what things do you think we sh- we should expect from the series, or just this yeah. episode? In, in the series, well, what what things can you already predict that are going to happen? Uh, well, my ideal goals maybe introduce some people to some weird films that they might not otherwise have come across unless they were sort of into horror to begin with. Um, give people some suggestions of different types of films and different subgenres they can maybe look into and hopefully just produce a funny show that allows you to put off watching those films and instead just listen to a podcast, which let's be <laughs> honest, is easier to find the time. For. Yeah. Don't worry about sitting down and relaxing to a terrifying movie. Just consume that content. Um, fun, fun times. I mean, everyone can find half an hour in the day. Not everyone can find a <laughs> full two hours to sit down and mm-hmm. watch a weird, creepy film. Yeah. I, don't well, think that's a, I think that's a fair comment. On the sta- well, technically, of, uh, technically, this show is going to go for an hour purely because of all our fabulous song choices. Um, my favorite is going to be the one coming next, but that's for that's for then. Now is now. John, would you like to announce what film you chose for our first episode, our debut episode? Uh, for our first episode, I thought we would go into something that is a classic and that it's a film everyone should watch at some point if they're you know interested in cinema in general, not only because it's a good horror film, but because it actually helps change the sort of landscape of modern of blockbuster cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be watching Jaws today. <laughs> I mean, again, we we had to do that. I'm I'm sorry. I know it's a cliche, but that that is a good theme, and it is a famous theme for a reason. Mm-hmm. No, it's um, yeah. I I was excited when you picked this one as our first episode because this is actually a horror thriller it's a spooky movie that i have actually seen before and it was honestly a pleasure to be able to watch it again for the first time well for the 
Watch it again for a second time. Sorry. Yeah, I've I've always found this an odd one because it's it's a film that's sort of a I I think is really well made, and we'll get more into what we think of the film later. But it always sat outside my kind of experience with like the horror genre, just because it was a bit more of a mainstream blockbuster that had a horror sort of bent to it, as mm-hmm. opposed to going into like sort of the weirder elements of the horror sub subgenre in general. So I think it makes it quite accessible for people who aren't necessarily into horror films more broadly, especially mm-hmm. since it's a Spielberg film and has a lot of that kind of whimsy and charm to it. Yeah. Well, so I thought it was a good one to start off with. Mm-hmm. Agree. And I think like, I know something about the Spielberg isms, which we'll get into, I, f- I think while watching this and um, remembering, um, re- sorry, recalling a bunch of the other Spielberg films in his canon, I feel, felt like a lot of his films are like halfway between whimsical and terrifying. Like, I, I watched Goonies um, on, I think, Monday, uh, just gone, and I kept thinking, wow, this cave is terrifying, but the cinematography is so rich, the palette is so rich, and these kids, they're, they're going down an epic water slide. Like, this is whimsical, but it's terrifying. So it'll be really cool to get into the meat of, excuse the Jaws meat um, of this show. John, can you please give us the facts and stats? Uh, sure thing. Uh, let me just bring those up. All right. So for a brief synopsis, it's about sharks, or more accurately, a shark and a bunch of other normal sharks. Uh, and it sort of follows the classic uh, Captain Ahab story of man wanting revenge on a big fish. Or, Well, in this case, it's a big fish, as opposed <laughs> to a big mammal. It's a lot of things. It's a lot uh, of things. Yeah. So... For the Cliff Notes version, um, tragedy strikes the sleepy New England town of Amity Island as a young woman is killed by a ferocious shark while skinny dipping. It is up to police chief Martin Brody, here played by Roy Schneider, to save the town. But his wishes to close the beaches are quickly overruled by the evil mayoral tycoon Larry Vaughan, <laughs> Murray Hamilton, uh, not wanting to lose that cold, hard tourism cash. Who, if there's any industry that's particularly brutal and hard nosed when it comes to collecting that money it's absolutely the tourism industry mm-hmm. uh a shark comes and kills a kid who would have guessed that shit <laughs> oh god why'd you put this word in there ichthyologist matt hooper i'm sorry to all the marine biology students out there played by richard Dreyfus, uh a and a rough and tumble sea captain quint by uh played by robert shaw help brody kill the beast epic battle Chekhov's gun and shark fights ensue Woo. All right. So the film was released in 1975, sort of a classic film, kind of encapsulates a lot of like mainstream 70s filmmaking in that respect, and was directed by Steven Spielberg. And I think it's maybe one of the first that really sort of cemented him as a staple of like cinema, particularly in the 80s and 70s. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think he's got stuff before this, but like this is the first really big one, I think. Uh, we've just went over the actors, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfuss, Roy yeah. Schneider, who... All do good jobs, but I'm not sure if I've actually seen them in much outside of this. And that might just speak to my own kind of ignorance when it comes to uh, classic cinema. Yeah, I think... Hey, yeah, how about you, Lockie? Have you seen... Uh, I th- Honestly, no. But I feel like, like you said, it's one of those things where if we actually went out of our way, went out of our way to watch a lot more um, older movies, then obviously we would probably see a lot more of them. <laughs> but I think... I yeah, know, I mean, I'm... I'm yeah. Being able to see them. I'm certain in... that like um, Quint's been in something else. Yeah. 
yeah so and and having even though i haven't seen them a lot of them being able to see them at least for once in this i think it's a good it's 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 a very rich film it's a really cool film to see them play in yeah yeah i think like again we'll get into it later but i actually think the uh character interactions are the best part of the film Mm -hmm. just uh, i i just i think it's a a talent of spielberg's Mm -hmm. um all right so we got some fun facts here uh, this was one of those movies where so many things went wrong, yet they still kind of came out with a good movie. And I actually think a better film than what might have otherwise been produced. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ran too long and went over budget. Uh, original shooting was 58 days and that ballooned out to 159. So it added 101 days. Um, also, I'm not sure if this is later in the uh, fun facts, but they were originally going to use a robotic shark that you know for like a lot of the scenes and that thing just sank straight to the bottom of the ocean it was <laughs> practical and way too heavy to use so that's why you get so many of those early scenes where there's just no shark on screen and then the reveal just, actually kind of has way more impact because of it yeah it's so weird because like that just, it looks like an actual choice and a really smart choice because you know everyone knows what a shark looks like you don't need to show this you don't need you don't need to show the shark you don't need to show the shark uh, uh, because of filming constraints and attempts to ensure certain film funding, almost all the script was written during filming. Uh, a lot of it was, in fact, improv. Much of Quint's lines were inspired by Craig Kingsbury, the inspiration for much of uh, Robert Shaw's character work, uh, specifically the ramblings. The iconic line by Roy Schneider was improvised on the day of shooting. Mm-hmm. I have a guess at which line this is, but uh, Lockie wrote these fun facts, so I'm, yeah. uh, I'm a bit in the dark as to what he's referring, which one he's specifically um, referring to here, because there are a lot of great lines. Yeah. Yeah, there are. Um, we're going to need a bigger boat. That one. That was improv. <laughs> oh, I thought it was I thought it was smile, but, you know. All right. Um, rumor that the studio had originally planned to train a real shark for the filming and that Spielberg <laughs> had nightmares for weeks after finishing the film. <laughs> I'm wondering if that has more to do with the fact that just shooting this was a nightmare as opposed to mm-hmm. anything to do with actual sharks. Yeah. True. Um, well, I think we'll leave it there. With we might come back to those fun facts throughout the um, rest of the episode. I'm super excited to get into the discussion of this awesome, awesome film. You've been listening to Do You Like Scary Movies on Radio Fodder. Um, we'll leave you with a quick. We'll just take a quick break, and we'll leave you with Jaws by Lemon Demon. Just get you in the mood. <laughs> One day on a lark, decides to get rowdy, get real violent Takes a vacay up to Amity Island Sunshine, lotion, fun in the sun, blood in the ocean Everybody run, cause it's crazy how few fucks this shark gives He'll eat naked ladies, he'll eat little kids, oh no He's safe as a guy named Brody and his pal Richard Dreyfus. Jaws don't know that a storm's gonna come. He just wants everyone to be his chum. Get it? Get it? The mayor don't care if the townsfolk die. He doesn't want to spoil the 4th of July. He's like, everyone cool it and go for a swim. But holy shit, here comes that fin singing Jaws is here. Short, the beach gets closed. The mayor's like, okay, yeah, this blows. Suddenly, Jaws has got a pr-
twice on his head, but the wrong little shark baby ends up dead. It was John's little brother, now he's pissed. The mayor just shot to the top of his list. He sneaks in his house in the middle of the night, and he eats that fucker in a single bite. Golly. So Brody's in charge, he knows the real killer is still at large So he and the Dreyfus make a decision They're going on a mission, they're gonna go fishing For Jaws A man named Quint lets him use his boat On the condition that he be the one to cut Jaws' throat Cause he was a sailor back in World War II And Jaws ate his entire crew Whoa, Jaws is here They wait all night. Where could Jaws be? He's nowhere in sight. Dreyfus decides to go down in a cage, and Jaws shows up in a full-on rage. He tears up the cage like paper in a shredder, while Dreyfus makes his wetsuit wetter. He hides behind a rock like a cowardly prick, and he doesn't come back until the end of the flick. Brody's like, we're gonna need a bigger boat, so they go back home and get a bigger boat. The biggest boat that's ever sailed, gonna kick Jaws' ass, or I guess his tail. Yeah, his tail. But oh my shit, Jaws jumps out, and Quinn gets bit. He's a star now, Brody's angry, he's all like, fuck it He takes a harpoon and welds it to a rocket Jaws' last words are, whoa, respect Then he explodes and it's a pretty good effect Yeah, Jaws is dead Long live Jaws He was a shark without a cause He was in a movie, you should watch it, it's called Jaws Jaws is dead Long live Jaws And we're back. You're listening to Do You Like Scary Movies on Radio Fodder. Time to talk about Jaws. Time to talk about Jaws. Um, so recalling, when when did you watch it? Um, was it a day ago or a couple of days ago? Oh, literally last night, uh, hey. which was probably not the best call because I was coming off a uh, early morning at work, so I was pretty tired <laughs> by the end of it. But uh, no, I, was, uh, I think it was a good call. Um, well, yeah, you know. in, in that case, I think your impressions are probably going to be the um, richest, well, the most um, tangible right now. What are your, what were your first impressions? So my first impressions was, well, oh, sorry, were, um, it is a really beautiful movie in like a lot of different ways. Like, mm-hmm. I mean that in the sense that they have like all these very kind of like idyllic shots that feel straight out of kind of like a almost picturesque uh like tourism video if that makes sense like it mm-hmm. is okay it's showcasing some of the best elements of like new england life it's got all these beautiful clean houses like in this really sort of nice quaint small town like mm-hmm. a, a lot of 70 cinema is like characterized by like that commitment to grit and grime like look at scorsese and stuff 
-hmm. whereas this has gone the complete opposite route of setting things in like this very pristine kind of community like everything is sort of immaculate which provides like a nice contrast when you look at the sort of horrors that unfold and the just absolute awful corruption that is underpinning this town yeah i'd agree um i i with the fact that this, this town is so picturesque, but like the townspeople are just a pain in the ass for um, um, Brody is just kind of, kind of, I just find it hilarious just because the fact that, you know, a lot of Brody's um, uh, comp, uh, battle in this film is with the townspeople in this beautiful town, just interest trying to get them to listen to him. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think my first impression again was like how, like you said, how rich um the filming was and I, I think i particularly liked how it's sort of like a spielberg ism is that he knows when to make a scene very condensed and rich and um whether it's like through a particular palette or a particular shot and he knows when to make something kind of drab like um my i guess my comparison to it is um in goonies where everything above ground is kind of drab it's um you know it's winter in this beach town area also another spielberg movie at in a beach area funny that oh, um, of course. uh everything um above ground is kind of drab but everything underground is like rich like there's particularly that scene where the kids find the bottom of the wishing well and just, everything is just so glittery here and there and then here um i find like every shot of the beach is very rich particularly um the when you see um the the body the first body um i think her name's christy christine that um, yeah, yeah character yeah. yeah and just seeing like this the crabs over the hand is how nature has sort of come into this space where it's you know it's the beach it's not quite um the sea nature and it's not quite the town land it's sort of this halfway between where mm. um you know it's human and um nature like you know nature is trying to decompose this body that would toxify the beach if it was left to rot so yeah i thought i actually i i almost wonder how much sort of modern kind of like fantasy and horror has owes a debt to that like one scene because it is mm. an early sort of on-screen representation of like that gross crustacean horror that's become like really big um in certain circles like if you look at um the second parts of the caribbean film the flying dutchman yeah mm -hmm. um and you know like I, I guess it's it goes back to like sort of lovecraft but, like that weird combination of like human features and deep sea life it is really unsettling to look at like i think that's mm -hmm. an underappreciated like sort of um scene in a lot of ways in a, in a mm -hmm. film kind of littered with these classic moments of like, like cinematography mm -hmm. um what was your favorite scene do you think oh can, can, you recall, uh, can you recall a favorite scene i think my favorite scene would have to just be the as uh, the sort of the obvious one is the bit where you've got richard Dreyfus mm -hmm. shoveling chum out the back of the boat and the shark just <laughs> pokes its head out and you get to see scriptures up and just pop up like a gopher like oh we're gonna need a bigger boat i thought it was like again it kind of captures what one of the great things this film does which is like have a bit of a light i have a bit of a lighthearted sense of humor about itself mm -hmm. without going straight into like making it a joke out of its own content or its own concepts this would probably... it's fun without sacrificing severity 
mm-hmm. this would probably be a marker of like our generation but when that scene happened all i could think of was um uh <laughs> friends fish are friends <laughs> it's like oh my fun, fun fact Bruce. that um yeah that was why uh that was why he was named bruce Wait, because like the shark, yeah, yeah. In the uh, original film, was uh, they they called the sort of annoying robot shark they were trying to work with Bruce. Whoa, <laughs> yeah. Wait, was it circle. because um, was it because uh, Spielberg's lawyer was named Bruce, right? Like they was named, he? yeah, I think so. Like um, the, um, Spielberg's lawyer was named Bruce. They named the robotic shark um after the, his lawyer, and I did not realize that the lawyer's name was Bruce, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> Because Bruce is such a fabulous name for a shark. Oh, it's a great shark name. Like we name we name all our spiders Barry. All our sharks are named Bruce. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, my favorite scene, I have to say, it was um the uh, so the first time at the beach where um Brody he's like in a shirt and shorts and he's like clearly I'm not getting in the water and he's like um. He's just been told that um, he can't close the beach, yada, yada, yada. And it's just kind of like had this really cool um, sequence of scenes where you have the stick with this, but there's been a guy who has been playing with a dog, throwing a stick, and you just see the stick floating in the water. Then you have the um, underwater shot going through the water uh, of uh, the shark, which is also really cool. I, th- I think like just throws all those underwater underwater shots awesome because you know it's a low angle shot which is meant which is not meant to signify um well it's not necessarily used to signify um uh danger or like a uh you know that the the person being shot is is in danger but just the fact that they are suspended in this um in the water is just very terrifying and it's so cool and then so then after that you have the the blood and of the child being attacked and it's just the mess and it's crazy. And then you have that awesome dolly zoom on Brody where he's like, Fuck. <laughs> Oh, that's a classic yeah. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man, that dog though. I was, I remember just like, I've got in my notes here, just like, Oh no, you better not kill that yeah. dog. Not the dog. No. <laughs> That's the, I again. It's the thing I didn't appreciate about the film when I first, like when I first kind of heard about it because I associated mm-hmm. with like that Spielberg lightheartedness. But it's like no, does some pretty goes to pretty depressing areas. Yeah, like he, it it is it is a Spielbergism where he pulls you in with this like whimsy and this like um sincerity and this like really um tangible authenticity and then he just like rips you to shreds in just like one shot with this poor dog <laughs> but oh. yeah um, who kills the dog man come on that's not all right spielberg apparently because he, he yeah because he, he he wants to rip you to shreds um any weird scene that stood out for you i have one in particular or it's more accurately a line that stood out to me oh yeah which one um uh, when the kid who is is about to be attacked goes to his mother saying, hey, can I take the raft out? And she says, no, your fingers are going to prune. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was. I thought that was weird as well. I was like, is that, is that a thing in the 70s? Like, you were just worried that pruning was a sign of something going wrong? 
I have no idea, but in Australia, if you don't prune, then you haven't gone, you haven't really gone swimming. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> doesn't make sense put, at all. I, like, you can prune up in the shower. Like, I yeah. mean, you might be having a long shower at that point, but like, it's just a part of being in water. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, it's, it was weird to me. Um, have you, do you have a weird scene that we might talk about in the next um, section? Oh, I've got a few. I've got like a combination of a number of different scenes that I found weird in retrospect. The amount no of drinking and swimming slash boating <laughs> slash shark hunting is really worrying. No worries. We'll talk about them next. Um, we'll take a quick break. You're, you're listening to Do You Like Scary Movies on Radio Fodder. back you're listening to do you like scary movies on radio photo we just um del- we just dove into our discussion of jaws it was hilarious um our first impressions were very positive it, it's a awesome film with a lot of whimsy and a lot of very dark terrifying um kind of kind of heart-wrenching scenes and it's it's a really cool film um i cut you off before on some random things that stood out to you. So I guess I should ask um, what are your thoughts on the characters and just like the town itself and how everyone occupied um, this town? I, I think it's one of the things that I actually like most about Spielberg films is that he's really good at writing sort of engaging characters mm-hmm. or at least directing them in a way that kind of keeps them uh, sort of interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel like there is a version of this film that is really quite insufferable because Quint and uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name, uh, Shark Expert. Um, yeah, Hooper. It's Hooper, right? Hooper, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, Quint and Hooper are insufferable. Like, Hooper, <laughs> in theory, could be a really annoying character. And I think if he was written today, there's a good chance he would be sort of just your classical, like, 
really sort of obnoxious expert that's right but in a really unlikable way and mm -hmm. I, don't know, I feel like the movie would suffer because of that the mm -hmm. fact that you kind of get to see these guys having fun and playing off one another as opposed to just being really just kind of uncharismatic I, mm -hmm. I think it's some massive benefits to the film and that's a lot on the actors but also like on how they're written mm -hmm. um before you were talk like talking about how something that stood out to you was just how much the characters drink and just like just go out on to the open ocean trying to hunt this shark while drinking is that something you wanted to talk about oh just something i thought was weird and i can't tell if that's meant to be in and of itself kind of weird within the context of the film or if that's just an element of like an element of like living in the 70s just because i know like you know we've become increasingly aware as a society about the uh risks of alcohol and doing <laughs> or operating heavy machinery like i know mm -hmm. back in the uh 80s it was kind of you know pretty normal to drink drive so much so that a lot of you know public policy was built around actually trying to eliminate that to the you know extent mm -hmm. that that was possible mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm honestly just kind of curious whether or not that was meant to be taken at face value or whether or not it was sort of a bit of a mm -hmm. joke or commentary mm -hmm. this i think this is something i want to talk about um soonish a little bit later but my take on it was just um spielberg kind of doing a thoughtful um like nature thing like i took it as oh this is like man kind of you know being the intrusive force on nature the you know coming out in droves they're being very unkind and they're being very sloppy <laughs> and oh yeah. yeah um but we'll talk about that later because that's something i that's something really cool to mm. talk about um what were your thoughts on just like the interactions and intimacy a lot of the actors did considering that they a lot of it was improv like a lot of it was really improv and it's so wild to me how you know you have this adventure film but everything is like so intimate but also very thrilling what are your thoughts on that it kind of reminded me of like the way a lot of comedies have kind of been shot in that mm. they just kind of said hey go out there sort of here are the major plot beats you need to hit but you have mm -hmm. a lot of license to just sort of make the scene your own and give your characters your own kind of life and their own voice mm -hmm. and it, actually i think it really works it helps set these characters apart from like the very broad stereotypes they fall into like you've got the small town cop from the big city that's you know forced into a new kind of perilous situation you have the sort of well-funded kind of egghead scientist who's you know coming here and is telling the locals what to do and you have the insane form sea captain who's hunting down the big fish and they all kind of just take on their own life and aren't sort of defined by those very clear kind of character roles and they actually do get their own kind of lives outside of that mm -hmm. also it feels like there was a sort of um challenge to see who could be the most classical like hard-boiled gritty kind of 70s protagonist between quince and um and uh brody and then mm. they're both sort of like going both, for the yeah they're both city reserved places. kind of gritty kind of a protagonist structure uh, model well yeah the, like both yeah. kind of like one-upping each other in that respect yeah i i, I found that I, I like that too just because like i know particularly could now um by the end of the film it's like a um three-way battle between um brody cooper and clint and just trying to like particularly in like when they get to the point where they're just comparing scars and it just becomes delves into this very sincere, very intimate scene where they're almost kind of like acknowledging 
each other's lives and each other's traumas and it's sort of like okay now we're you know while the three of them are being kind of childish at times particularly when um Hooper um pulls faces at Clint and while they're um being kind of very macho annoyingly at time annoyingly macho at times and so how they at times even infantilize um Brody by calling him chiefy like they still there's like they they come to respect each other and I thought that was mm-hmm. kind of thoughtful and something you really could only do in this um improv way but a lot I think when it when it came to the improv my favorite scenes were between um uh Roy Schneider and Lorraine Gray so like Brody and Ellen sorry, sorry Martin and Ellen it's just like uh you have like this is a really cool relationship dynamic I mean um she has a line where um she tells him okay dude stop reading relax do you want to get drunk and fool around (laughs) (laughs) I just love that line thinking wow love seeing a um healthy sexually thriving relationship based on communication love it <laughs> love it for a horror movie yeah yeah i was kind of <laughs> sad when she sort of dipped out of the film and like that um in like the last third or so i was you know i wanted to see more of it wanted yeah to have like sort of more of a you know active op- active role in that sort of conclusion to some extent mm. but um, yeah there's another but yeah I no think... it's an interesting point you, yeah yeah there's another also um the scene between um Roy Schneider and the younger son when he's like he's dealing with the guilt of having you know uh not closed having not closed down the beach and having you know the life of this other kid on his hands and he's just like at the kitchen table and he's like going through the motions and his little kid is mimicking mimicking him and then <laughs> the um Martin uh, Roy Schneider just kind of plays like he just pulls faces and the kid pulls faces and then he leans in and says give me a kiss kid says why because i need it i was like ah this is so intimate so sincere this is amazing and something i think you could only do an improv see i think it's also just it's one of the strengths of the film which is like like a lot of 70s kind of horror is characterized by this very bleak and kind of gritty sort of cynicism there's Mm -hmm. not a lot of joy to be had there it's mostly just like a very dark view of humanity mm-hmm. whereas like in jaws you actually do get those kind of steel spielberg whimsical moments of like life going on even in the face of like quite brutal darkness yeah and i also think it's cool because you know like we talked about there's that sort of macho battle for masculinity by the end of like in the third act but then that only can't happens when we've gotten to know um brody as this very sensitive and sincere and um emotionally available um, masculine figure and just sort of like to see see him um try his best and come out successful it's like it's a very cool flip on which we'll talk about next on the man versus nature thing because it's not him trying to be as much as he can it's trying to it's him trying to do the best he can which is kind of cool to me i think yeah he's in a situation where he's not sort of in power he's not in control he's responding to it and i think that actually makes him a far more interesting and sympathetic character than if he was just the sort of naturally kind of gifted and command commander of that environment he is someone who's trying to learn and adapt and Mm. i think it gives him a lot of pathos yeah brody is definitely not in control (laughs) (laughs) no which is weird because he starts off like as a 
figure of real kind of authority in the town. And then over the course of film transitions to being a student, like he has to learn about this new world. He's found himself in, which is kind of, yeah, I think a unique um, kind of approach to the plot. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll get into that in our next section. We'll take a quick break. You've been listening to Do You Like Scary Movies on Radio Fodder. Here is Microwaver by Bugs. Can all start with a post on your feed. You go weak at the knees and you're drooling. It's primal, survival is living off pay packet to pay packet. When you spend it exponentially, it's hard to just not have it. You want it, you need it, you're glutton, you're greeted. It's slowly warping you. Acquire win status, but none of it matters. Your assets are blocking the view. It's cool, but it won't save your body Body simulator That looks good, I'll feed it later Talk you in a microwave And I know that everybody says that I've got a lot But I just can't help this want for something more It's like the grass keeps getting greener While the world keeps getting meaner But I wonder not about my credit score Try and break 
and we're back. You're listening to Dear Like Scary Movies on Radio Fodder. Um, we just uh, left off uh, the second section of our um, Jaws deep dive. We just talked about our love for different characters, um, the, the, the befuddling and the very sincere. There's a lot of heart in this um, film, a lot of like Spielberg heart, which is so cool. Um, but um, jo- so John, my next question, which I think is probably a really, I think it's, I think it's a pretty central question to this film in particular. Um, is Jaws a man versus nature film? See, here's one of the things, as much as I really do like this film, that element of it actually kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit. Mm-hmm. See, like, the thing is, and this is sort of like, I think it's been backed up by um, some sort of research. I, I don't have it on me, though, so I can't actually double confirm that. This film actually did contribute to, like, a really kind of toxic view of, like, sharks and sort of marine wildlife in general. Like, it actually sort of led to an explosion in shark cullings and this weird kind of myth that sharks are these demonic kind of soulless predators with, as Quint says, like, dull eyes without life or humanity, which... I mean, the humanity part, sure, because they're, you know, they're not humans, they're animals. But, like, it, it still takes this thing that I really kind of find annoying in a lot of different pieces of media. They take, like, an a animal, just a creature that exists in nature that is driven by survival, is driven by, like, basic instinct and is just living its own life, and then sort of funnels it through this lens of sort of human centricity, like... Sharks aren't just an animal out there mm-hmm. that occasionally attack humans because they mistake them for their natural prey. They're these sinister mm-hmm. sort of all-encompassing machines that want to eat and devour and are a direct threat to humanity, when the reality is they're just an apex predator in an area that we really aren't adapted to. So it, it, it's mm-hmm. one of those things that like it doesn't really challenge. It felt like it might be at first, but it just kind of leaves it sort of as like a element of the film which I, I personally don't love, but mm-hmm. that's just like a, you know, my own take on it. I, I truly get that. And like, I do agree with it. Absolutely. But I do also disagree with it just. So I think it is, I mean, like I absolutely get that people saw this film and then it led to the mythology of fear of sharks and all the shark cullings that came about it. But like, I personally find that a misreading of the film in a way. Like to me, this film is not a man versus nature film. It's a cowboy film. Let me explain. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first thing that we see in this film is not the shark itself. It is the people occupying the um, both the um, liminal zone of like the uh, the beach, where it's not quite land, not quite sea, and then we see the people occupying the land, and we just and the first thing, and in that um, land of where we are always seeing people, it's always like they are the intrusive. They are this intrusive force. They are this obstacle that Brody has to navigate through. They are people who are constantly demanding something of him and are constantly occupying this um, space, and even later in the film you have the moment where the rest of the tourists come in for the fourth of july and you have this like very kind of haunting like it it, this very weird carnival music and you just see all these people come in droves and they just occupy the whole space and just feel so claustrophobic and 
it kind of adds to this thing where, you know, in a lot of climate and um, uh, eco writing or like um, old eco writing, you have this thing of like nature is an intrusive force. It um, It's coming into man's land and trying to reclaim the space by killing people and killing, re- reclaiming the land. In this film, we have, we see people occupying the land and we see people coming in and, you know, be- behaving quite poorly t- in this town. And even in when the first, this is the second, this when the shark attacks in um, the, on the, on the 4th of July and when the kids pretend, you know, they're pretending to be the shark with the cardboard cutout thing, you know, everyone, the, the panic that ensues is by people and they are just being demonstratively um they're just well they're, they're being quite careless with you know their own panic and they're tearing up the beach they are pushing kids aside and the people like the thing in this film that is intrusive is the people it's the people who um misunderstand the nature and it's the people who you know they are the ones who ring up the 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 tiger shark and like that's kind of the other one of the most mm. horrific scenes is just you see this poor shark that has just been murdered for no reason I see and i was um oh sorry um but i was looking at this essay uh, well um the other day and i was like um how the kind of evil force is the mayor because he has this political power that he is abusing and the shark does not care about that political power it's the people who are um, throwing Brody about. And then to the cowboy thing, um, the fact is we never see the shark. The people, the, the, the characters that we see on scene, on the scene is a Brody versus Hooper versus Clint. And it's like this battle of mm. stoicism and nature is the test, not the villain, which is why I thought, okay, this film is a cowboy film the same way uh, um, Star Wars is a samurai film. Yeah. Which is like my twist in my, my twist. I, I in really my, like the idea my, of, um, my of this film being a cowboy film because I think there is absolutely a lot of that, even going so far as to deal with like a lot of the very similar themes of sort of uh, masculinity and the rugged sort of uh, harshness of uh, natural of the natural world, which are the like core elements of a lot of really terrible westerns out there, as well as some really quite good westerns. Um, I, I think mm-hmm. I just can't get past the fact that like I I, th- I agree with all of that. In fact, I was. Early into the film, I was actually really sort of surprised. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that they're kind of like trying to show that humans, humans don't really belong in the ocean in this way. This isn't their environments. They're not. They're the intruders, as opposed to like nature, kind of intruding on um, the sort of human world, which is again a, a common theme in a lot of uh, environmental horror and a lot of uh, sort of monster films in general. But again, they still make the shark a monster, even if you argue that like it's meant to be a test for the main characters. I just can't get past how they make the shark a demon or a machine. And I, I guess you can argue that you're not necessarily meant to take Quint at face value and you're meant to sort of view him as a bit unhinged and a bit sort of out of touch with reality and has like a this very black and white view of morality that he's enforcing onto um, the animal world. But I, I think it still takes that element and ingrains it in the narrative to a way that I don't think you can avoid seeing bruce as an actual villain as opposed to just an animal doing what animals do and existing in its own world Mm -hmm. so your um your take on it is that no brute you you are meant to see the shark as the villain it doesn't matter if 
people are acting bad. The shark is still a villain in this. I don't know if that's what Spielberg intended necessarily, but I think that that is a, I think that is a way that you are sort of inclined just in the way the film works to read it. Maybe it's because they make Quint a bit too likable. So you are more willing to buy into his worldview because again, I'm not sure if we're meant to take him at face value, but he's compelling enough that you don't necessarily out of hand reject everything he says. So when he describes sharks as um, machines for like eating and- in this, Is that the scene before they go on the boat or is that the scene when he is having his um, war flashback and Hooper is looking at him and they're on the boat? I think, I might be wrong, but I think it's a scene before they get on the boat. I have some inter- I have some things I want to okay. talk about with the war uh, the war flashback actually though it's just an I think I'm, my my yeah, yeah. No, but we might do that next section yeah maybe I don't think we'll have yeah. enough time <laughs> <laughs> um, okay so my my quick take on it is that I think it's a really cool acknowledgement of where the shark mythology comes from it's like it's in his mind it's in this background um uh ptsd of him mm. and it's like a really cool acknowledgement of like where because it is a scene of mythology because you have this close-up on clint but then to like towards the right of the screen you have hooper looking at him and it's like oh this watching it's the watching it's the unfolding of this mythology his perspective on sharks exists in his memory yeah see i, I get that it, it's a good element to the character i maybe maybe it would have worked a little bit better for me if uh you actually had some pushback like saying well no sharks aren't soulless demons they're an apex predator that's living in its own environment if just you know i I still enjoyed the film i just it's an element that has rubbed me the wrong way i might get your thoughts your final thoughts back um in in the next section um we'll take our final break you've been listening to do you like scary movies on radio fodder we'll take a quick break
And we're back. You're listening to Do You Like Scary Movies on Radio Photo. Um, John, just our resident horror movie expert and resident DJ, now has just made the executive call that I am meant to leave you with Surfing USA for our last song just before. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, so, John, final thoughts and what is the message of the, message of the film? Wrong answers only. Uh, I guess my final thoughts are this is a really great film that produced a really terrible sort of franchise. Um, some of, the, some of the mild <laughs> issues I've had with this film, like the making the shark a monster and treating sharks as like these sort of demons as opposed to just, you know, a product of an environment. Yeah, that gets played up to 11 with uh, the combination being shark, uh, Jaws for the revenge where the shark literally becomes a serial killer hunting out <laughs> Michael and um, the other child of uh, Richard Dreyfus in this film. So, uh, yeah. It, it becomes uh, <laughs> hilarious, but also really, really dumb and stupid. Um, mm-hmm. I guess the message of this film is that don't go in the ocean because nothing good is at the bottom of the sea, whether it be Dagon or sharks or Cthulhu. Yeah, it's never a good mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> um, nice. Uh, I guess my final thoughts are: sharks gonna munch, they're gonna crunch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. um fish are friends but humans are food i'm very much involved <laughs> with that yeah yeah um anything else we should mention final final thoughts um, um the postscript of yeah, the show this is a good intro if you're really into like um creature flicks uh there's a lot of really schlocky ones out there this is probably the best one <laughs> to be honest but you get a lot of uh cinema that has like these big sort of larger than life uh, animals acting as like monsters. And again, they all have that same problem, but they're still quite campy and fun and a good watch if you're into that. So yeah, keep an eye out for that kind of subgenre. Nice. That's it. Debut episode done. We did it. <laughs> oh, <Yay. laughs> um, so that's the show, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Do You Like Scary Movies on Radio Fodder. Um, our producer and host is me, Lucky Healy. Our spooky DJ and ho- also host is John. And our social media manager is Amy Kamen. Um, you can catch new episodes every Thursday at 5 on Radio Fodder and catch future and also past episodes on Mixcloud. Um, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Do You Like Scary Movies? And you can follow me on Instagram, lock underscore laneway. Um, I guess uh, we're just going to test out this tagline. Um, see you at the next screening. Is that a good one? I do. I do good like tagline. that because it almost sounds like text, see you at the next screening, which feels like a, uh, a, a, a terrible pun <laughs> that you would get in one of those sort of um, late night variety shows, which, you know, only have the worst kind of B-movie uh, B-movies on. So I, I feel like that's a, a good, good tagline. Okay. Fuck when I wrote, and we're doing that. See you at the next screaming. You, the Crypt Master, <laughs> cackling Bye. in the background. <laughs>